one in fivers. Thanks for joining us for this uh, newest episode of the one in five. I'm Adam Renshaw. Abel Baker is over here. Hey, everybody. My left, your right, and right in the middle of both of us is the lovely Stephanie Chosa, um, Dr. Chosa. She is a pharmacist. America's pharmacist. America's <laughs> pharmacist. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we have some really important stuff to talk about with Stephanie today. Um, for you guys, you guys are already are probably wondering, what is 340B? So we're going to answer that question. That's going to be the first thing that we do. Um, and then we're going to explain some recent developments uh, that have happened around the 340B program. And then hopefully what we're going to do is we're going to give you, the, the listener, the watcher, three reasons why you should care about 340B, um, particularly if you live in a rural context. So that's what we have on tap. Steph, let's just get right into it. Can you explain the 340B program to us? Sure. Yep. Uh, so essentially the 340B program was established in 1992, and the purpose of that program was to provide discounted outpatient medications to certain healthcare providers and programs. And we'll just call them covered entities. So they're covered under this program. Those entities can purchase um, medications at a discounted price to then pass on to patients who are seen at these entities um, and programs. So essentially only patients who qualify for um, the 340B program, so a patient who is seen by, say, our organization is an example, um, Bighorn Valley Health Center, would then qualify for potentially discounted medications, making medications more affordable for folks who, say, are on a fixed income or low income. Maybe they're uninsured or underinsured. Um, it gives small community-based nonprofits like health centers access to these discounts that we would not be able to negotiate maybe on our, on our own. Um, okay. And you're talking about community health centers, yep. uh, which that term is also interchangeable with the FQHC, which is the Federally Qualified Health Center. Right. Yes. Okay. There's a slew of covered entities. Okay. Right. Can you explain a couple of the covered entities? Sure. So Federally Qualified Health Centers, FQHC, such as ourself, is one. Um, you have hospitals who qualify for this program. Um, there are centers called Ryan White Centers. There's Hep C clinics. There's a whole bunch of outpatient clinics that actually qualify and it's usually um, a grant-based program so like we are um, grant-based section 330 okay and that's why we're covered correct that's okay. why we qualify we qualify for this 340b program and the 330 grant comes from the federal government correct okay okay thanks for that um so within the 340b program we have contract pharmacies, and we have in-house pharmacies. Can you explain those to us? Sure. So in-house pharmacies, is, it's kind of like what it sounds like, right? So in-house pharmacies are pharmacies that the cover entity owns. They are pharmacies that, um, you know, they, they may have the same name as the covered entity, but we own those pharmacies, and they could be within the same building as the clinic, um, or they could be in a separate building, but they're owned by the covered entity contract pharmacies are kind of what that sounds like. They are pharmacies that are already embedded within the community and um, the covered entity contracts with that pharmacy 
to provide those 340B services, so those discounted medications, rather than having it in-house. Okay. So in other words, with a contract pharmacy, what the patient would do is they would go to their provider who works for a covered entity, and they would get their prescription written, and then they would take it to the contract pharmacy, and the contract pharmacy would pass on the 340B savings. Essentially, yes. And that's a great distinction. I think I forgot to mention that is the patients who qualify for this program are patients who see providers at the covered entity. So that's the one stipulation is that you must see um, a provider at one of these covered entities and then go to either an in-house or a contract pharmacy. Okay. So I guess I'm getting the distinction here that not all covered entities have an in-house pharmacy. Correct. Some covered entities only do contract pharmacies or only have contract pharmacies. Okay. So with, with that sort of foundation, some things have happened recently with um, pharmaceutical manufacturers that have put the 340B program in jeopardy. Um, Correct. Can you explain what has happened? And Yeah. Yeah. So essentially starting this summer, summer 2020, um, there are a handful of manufacturers who have sent letters to um, covered entities, and essentially what those letters stated was that, um, or at least some of the letters stated that they wanted the covered entity to sign up for this um, platform to provide data, um, a very burdensome, you know, collecting and submitting data, and what the manufacturers were looking for is they wanted to look at all the transactions that are going through, but these are only contract pharmacies. Okay. So they're only asking for contract pharmacies. The other thing that the manufacturers have done um, is one of them has actually stopped sending their um, discounted medications that they make, so medications that they're making at their um, manufacturer, they're stop, they've stopped sending them to contract pharmacies. Mm. And it, then there are a few more that will follow suit at the beginning of next month. Okay. So how could that, how could that affect... Um, the 340B program in general, how can that affect um, what maybe some of our patients might experience? Right. So this is going to affect any community that, um, or any, and any covered entity that does not have an in-house pharmacy and maybe only uses contract pharmacy or only uses contract pharmacy in some of the communities. And essentially what it will do is all of those medications that are at these manufacturers that are no longer sending them at discounted prices – now those patients will no longer be able to get those medications at that discounted, maybe affordable price, and instead they'll be at the higher, you know, retail cost. Mm. And so then the covered entity, no matter if you see that provider or not, you will not be able to get those medications anymore, you know, if you qualify for, you know, say the sliding fee scale or you're low-income, uninsured, that sort of thing. Okay. That sounds kind of dire. Yes. Can, can you give us an idea of maybe what some of those medications might be um, that are alarming to you or of a concern for you? Yeah, so the one manufacturer that has already stopped sending um, discounted medications to contract pharmacies, some of the medications that are most alarming are Humalog, which is an insulin, um, very important for diabetic patients, Trulicity, another important medication for diabetic patients, and then there's a handful of others, but those are probably the two most important meds out of that list. And then if the other manufacturers that state that they will follow suit do, um, then the list will grow. I want to put this into perspective for, um, for our listeners. And I, I guess I, what I want to do is, is hopefully try to explain this 
in a way that makes sense from our standpoint. So in Hardin, we have a in-house pharmacy. Correct. In Mile City, we have an in-house pharmacy. Correct. But in Lewistown, oh, in Ashland, we have an in-house pharmacy. Correct. Okay, so that's three of our sites. But in Lewistown, in Chinook, and in Harlem, we contract. Correct. Okay. Yes. So it has the potential to affect those three communities that we serve. Is that correct? Yes, and it may already be affecting okay. those communities because those those medications I listed, if any patients were currently receiving those and they weren't, say, running them through insurance and instead were, you know, they're uninsured, they may not be able to, or they may not be receiving those medications at this point. Okay. So I feel like, I guess, we've laid out a problem so, so what are three reasons people should care about 340B, especially in rural communities, especially people who live in a rural community? Right, which is the communities that we serve. Correct, yeah. So I would say that the top three reasons that um, folks should care about this program, this program has made you know, potentially unaffordable medications affordable for folks who are on fixed income or low income. Or maybe they're underinsured, but now they can afford their insulin or EpiPens. The other one is covered entities, um, health centers such as ours. We are able to expand our services, expand our access into even more rural and frontier communities. And by expanding our services, I also mean by comprehensive services. And with that being said, you know, integrated behavioral health, outreach and wellness, those programs um, potentially exists in part because of the 340B program and the savings that we receive by participating mm. in that program. So you could see a decrease in those types of services being offered. And then the last um, really point to this, I think, is it, it, also, it, it also can create jobs in some of these rural and frontier communities in the sense of, you know, as we expand services, you need staff. Right. So then that opens up jobs. Um, sure. It can bring in a little bit of revenue and income into the community that maybe wasn't there before. Um, and then opening up new clinics and that sort of thing can also play a huge part in the economy of a rural community. Awesome. So I know that part of why we do what we do is, is to see a healthy community. And it seems like this 340B program really... Um, allows us to take a more holistic approach to um, providing jobs. And, and, and not, so not just the physical care, right? It's right. Uh, the, the, the benefits extend beyond just what's in, in the clinic or in the pharmacy building. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. How is this good for the manufacturer? Are they fishing for... Um, someone to step in and cover these costs some way? Because how can it be good for a manufacturer if people flat out can't afford their product? It seems like the market is set up for a program like 340B. Is it? Are we in this case here where a 340B might be on the way out, but when the problems come, something else is going to come in its place. Is are that is that the game that they're maybe playing? Is because they can't be playing it with with the little tiny guy. Uh, do you know anything about how that works? Right. Well, and not to speak on behalf of the manufacturers, but um, a lot of what's been spoken about is 
the manufacturers, so they, they give you your discount for the 340B on the front end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how we're able to offer it at affordable price. We're, we're able to purchase those drugs at a discounted price at the beginning. Um, but then what the manufacturers are saying is that they're also giving discounts to other companies, whether they're um, private third-party insurance or uh, Medicare Part D plans or whatever the case might be. They're giving other discounts or rebates, whatever um, they call it, to these other entities. So what they're saying is, is that I shouldn't have to give two discounts. Mm. Okay. And contract pharmacies came out after the 340B program was established. The 340B program was established as a very generic way to provide discounted medications. But within that statute and within the rules, they you know stated that a covered entity can contract with outside entities to provide the service. You know what? So mm-hmm. for example, contract pharmacies was one way that folks could or that these entities could provide that 340B service without having to try to um, pay for or afford, you know, an in-house pharmacy, rather okay. support local business. So long story short, yeah, I think it all stems from the manufacturers not wanting to have to pay two discounts. Okay. Part okay. of you can't fault them for it, but it's not our fault. Uh, yeah, and that's where, that's where I'm imagining somebody saying, a blanket statement. Oh, this is just big pharma. And I'm thinking, well, this is the way our country works on in, in lots of ways. And, and I'm hoping to, to not be a doomsday is that there could be a, a, a pause here in this, but that something will step in, step that in. And I'm hoping yeah. that's, that's one thing that I think we can do is, uh, you know, write to our government. And, um, if we're in a situation, you know, make noise um, because something will have to be regulated here. But uh, I just don't know how it works on that pharmaceutical end. Yeah, I mean, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. I would have to say this is pretty unprecedented because it affects so many okay. organizations within our nation. Now, with that being said, you know, obviously um, some of the senators have sent letters okay. to Big Pharma. Um, there are a few other national um, organizations who are, you know, in the works have sent letters, you know, things like that, trying to say, hey, hey, well, you know, what's going on? Can we, you know, please stop for a second? So writing letters to people don't believe in that. I'm telling you, I mean, it's it works. You know, do that. Write a letter. Um, make make yourself make your voice heard and tell your um, story. If you yeah. have a story, tell your story. Tell your story to your local community health center and then they can pass it on. And then if we have lots of stories that always has a huge impact with folks is being able to, to tell your story of how it may have impacted your family or your community in a positive way. Okay. Stephanie, is there a place where uh, our listeners and viewers can go to get the best information on this um, in order to gain understanding about what's going on? Yeah, so I would recommend going to um, NAC's website, which is National Association of Community Health Centers. Um, That's the one we use because we're a community health center. Um, And you can always Google. There's a bunch of news articles that have been written about this and are consistently being written. Um, I woke up this morning knowing Cardi B, and now I know 240B. Three. 340B. <laughs> See? That, so, you guys, we're hosting this show, and we we don't know about these issues, and we get this awesome opportunity. And so, I got a lot to think about. I got a lot of questions. But if you're like me, and you this is off your radar, 
Um, I hope this helps. Again, please send any questions to uh, the one in five podcast at iCloud.com. Again, uh, you can comment on YouTube. You can also comment on Facebook. And one of us is, we're, we're going to get back to you. And here's the other thing not just questions. If you guys have a story that you want to tell about how 340B has affected you, uh, please send that our way too, and we'll get it over to Stephanie, or you guys can just send it directly to uh, the Bighorn Valley Pharmacy or the One Health Pharmacy or the Ashland Pharmacy if you're in the Ashland community. And so um, thank you again for coming yeah, on the show thank and talking you so about much. this. And uh, uh, all you one and fivers, have a rural healthy day.